today on Ag News Daily. So it will be offered in December from the 6th through the 10th. So it'll be a short time frame that you'll be able to get enrolled in the course. But um, yeah, I'm super excited. I've been working for months on this. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ashton Carr on the podcast this Friday afternoon with Delaney Howell. Delaney, how is your Friday so far? Ashton, I tell you what, I completely dropped the ball on recording today's podcast, so if my audio sounds a little bit funnier than usual, it's because it's after 5 p.m. and I've just had a crazy week. The markets have been going crazy. I've been going crazy. The election is going crazy. What's not going crazy at this point is really my question. I'm right there with you. It's been a pretty crazy week here in Lubbock for me as well. So I totally understand, but I want to go ahead and kick things off. Just a brief conversation about the election, of course, because things continue to change. I woke up this morning and it looks like Joe Biden has taken over Pennsylvania and Georgia. He is leading those states as of right now. And, uh, it's, it's not finalized yet in those states. I believe Georgia is at 99% reporting and Pennsylvania looks like it is 98% reporting. So nothing is as final as of yet, but I definitely was surprised when I woke up this morning to see that news. Yeah, you're right. Nothing's final, but at this point with that many votes in, I think it's pretty close to being done and probably pretty close to betting that Joe Biden will be our next president. It is certainly looking that way, Delaney, but we still have to wait a little bit longer for all of those ballots to to be counted. So hopefully next week when we're reporting on Monday, we will have a, a president to talk about. We certainly likely will, Ashton. But in the meantime, a few other pieces of ag news for today Uh, A rare case of H1N1 swine flu has now been detected in Canada and actually not even in a hog. Uh, We've seen a patient in Alberta tested, was originally tested for COVID, and they actually ended up testing positive for this this, uh, rare case of H1N1. And so this H1N1 strain generally isn't found in humans. It's generally just found in outbreaks in hogs. And so it's a very rare case, according to the CDC. But health officials in Alberta are watching very closely. They're trying to keep this case very contained uh, and watch to see if indeed it does spread to a hog herd. But at this point, it has not. That just absolutely blows my mind. I think that zoonotic diseases are very interesting. And since this one is pretty rare and it's really not even supposed to be found in humans, that just really piques my interest. But another thing that's piquing my interest today is the Food and Drug Administration. They are offering several resources to help people understand and follow a proposed rule that requires more traceability record keeping for certain produce. The proposed food traceability rule would carry out part of the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act, according to a new news release. The first resource is a tool for exploring the results of the risk ranking model for food tracing used in development of the food traceability list. 
And there will be more to come, of course, because this is a new development. And the FDA will host a virtual public meeting to discuss the proposed rule, one on November 18th and another on December 2nd. And just to give a little bit more information about this proposed rule, it is established or being proposed to establish additional traceability record keeping requirements for persons who require or who manufacture, I should say, manufacture, process, pack, or hold foods. The agency has designated for inclusion on the food traceability list, which is of course available on the FDA website, and the proposed requirements would help the FDA rapidly and effectively identify recipients of those foods to prevent or mitigate foodborne illness outbreaks and address credible threats of serious adverse health consequences and, in worst case, death. Now, Ashton, I might have missed this, but did you just mention that they were going to be using blockchain for this uh, tracing system? Uh, I did not say that. I don't know exactly what they're using for the tracing system. I know that they have a food traceability list, which you can view on their website, but um, it's a new development, but I do know that they are going to talk about it more publicly at those virtual meetings. Okay, gotcha. So I don't know where I heard that or why I thought you said blockchain. Maybe I'm just imagining it today, but in any case, Uh, Action, I have one other big development that's happening right now as we continue to watch what's going on between Australia and China. Still waiting to see or get official confirmation on whether or not China will indeed ban imports of Australian wheat. But in the meantime, we've seen now commodity service Icon Commodities has released a recent update forecasting that Australia's wheat output for the 2020-21 crop year will be a rep 31.7 million metric tons. Uh, The estimate is, of course, well, I shouldn't say record, but close to, which was set back, the record was set back in 2016 at a 32 million metric tons. So we're just shy of beating that record. But The reason I think this is such an interesting development is there aren't a lot of other countries, well, there are a lot of other countries producing wheat. There aren't a lot of other countries that are trading wheat to China, and China is a very big buyer of wheat for feed and other usage. And so this could lend itself to being somewhat supportive for U.S. wheat markets if China continues to feud with Australia, puts a wheat ban in place and needs to buy wheat from the United States. Of course, there's other countries like Russia and France and Germany, but uh, it does lend itself to look somewhat favorable for U.S. wheat production. It certainly does, Delaney. And I just have one other news story this Friday afternoon, and it's concerning dicamba. We're seeing the president of the American Soybean Association, Bill Gordon, come out and talk about a lawsuit against the EPA over dicamba. Gordon wants to make it clear that this lawsuit would not vacate the label. They're not challenging anything for application. The only things that they are challenging is the date and the buffer. Gordon says that the American Soybean Association and Plains Cotton Growers, who we talked to earlier this week, are suing the agency because the new buffer requirements are too extreme and the cutoff date of June 30th is too early for Southern farmers who double crop soybeans. 
Gordon added that regulators do not need to go back to the drawing board on dicamba, and he is unsure if states will attempt to circumvent the federal label and institute a patchwork of buffer and cutoff regulations. So they aren't asking for anything really to to be changed in terms of application, like I said, but uh, they're asking the EPA to, quote, take those two items back in-house, do a little more science-based research on it, and then change the label a little bit. So I definitely thought this was interesting because I haven't seen too much talk about the dicamba re-registration, but we are seeing that the ASA and PCG are making that lawsuit against the EPA over it. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting story to develop. I am wondering, too, if that will lend itself to making more states govern the CAMBA registration as opposed to at a federal level. So we'll have to continue to watch that story. We absolutely will, Delaney. But like I said, that was my last bit of news for the day. What about you? I just want to talk on or touch on the markets really here before we get to today's interview, which actually is again talking a little bit more about markets, but from an educational standpoint. What do you say, Ashton? Let's get into it. All right. And for today's markets, we pulled back just slightly on the day and couldn't pull through higher across the board in the grain markets, starting off with the December corn contract down two and a half cents today to close at 406 and three quarters, the May down a penny. Excuse me, the March down a penny to close at 413 and three quarters. In the soybean bits, the November contract down three and a quarter cent to close at 1098 and a half. The January down two and two quarter cent to close at 1101 and a half. Wheat was not excited by the news of increased Australian production today that could be flooding the marketplace as the December Chicago contract pulled back seven and a quarter cent to close at 602. The March down four and a half to close at 609. And hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets, Ashton, we saw green on the screen as the December live cattle contract closed 30 cents higher to end at 108.65. The February up 70 to close at 112.15. Feeder cattle were also green as the November contract added 12.5 cents to close at 137.70. The January up 52.5 cents to close at 135.92.5. Lean hogs, big weaknesses today as the December contract shed 252 to close at 6490. The February down a dollar 35 to close at 6702 and a half. And rounding out our markets with, of course, the class three dairy milk futures. Those markets were weaker on the day as well as the November contract shed 37 cents to end at 2320. The December down 72 to close at 1870. Ashton, without further ado, why don't you give a little background for today's interview? Today we are talking to the founder of Farm Girl Next Door. Today on the podcast, we have Brittany from Farm Girl Next Door. Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are certainly excited to have you on. So why don't you go ahead and kick things off by telling us a little bit more about you, where you're at, and your background in agriculture. Absolutely. So I grew up on a farm in Northeast Nebraska, and I am back around the same area farming with my husband as well. And I have a blog called The Farm Girl Next Door. 
So I have professional experience in ag as well in grain origination, merchandising, and then also worked at an ag tech company. So I've been in ag for as long as I can remember and very focused on the grain side. So we don't have livestock. Um, Growing up, we didn't, and we don't as well with my husband and I. So Brittany, when you look at your blog, I want to get into a little bit more about why you started it and your audience that you're working towards, because you have a very technical background from what it sounds like. And I'm interested to hear a little bit more about your style of writing. Absolutely. So when I started my career in ag, I was in grain origination and merchandising, and I would go out on farm with farmers and help them manage risk and market their grain. So as I would step on more farming operations and speak with people, I started to recognize a need for a good resource to just break down the basics of grain marketing in more of a quick, easy, relatable, unbiased format. So most marketing sources use a lot of jargon and they require a certain amount of baseline knowledge to truly comprehend the content. And if you think about it, if you look at a futures quote or a cash bid sheet, and if you've never seen one before, the symbols and the terms that are used can definitely intimidate people if you're unfamiliar with it. So I would get asked questions about basic things like basis and the mechanics of different contract types. And that's when it really occurred to me that There wasn't anyone I could find that was truly explaining the basics. So that's where Farm Girl Next Door was started. And I began with a blog and an email list and then really focused on building my Instagram and Twitter presence. And then now I'm going to be launching an interactive online cash grain marketing 101 course at the beginning of December. So I think that will be really great for people to just get a step-by-step approach to learning the fundamentals of grain marketing and then provide them with an interactive hands-on experience. So why don't we talk a little bit more about that grain market course, if, if you will, since it's not going live until next month, but what is that platform going to look like? Maybe what can we expect from the program? Yeah, absolutely. I just released it to my email list today, actually. So this was good timing, but I developed it to help people start from the ground up. So even though I have a ton of content on my blog, it does help to have a structure and a step-by-step format for really starting at ground zero and understanding cash grain marketing at the basic level. So they'll get comfortable in the course with the components of a futures quote and a cash bid sheet. They'll walk step-by-step through how to track cash bids and what the importance is around doing that and then learn about the decision-making process. So how to determine when to sell grain, where to sell it, what price to target for sales, what contract types are available. And I have worksheets and quizzes. And as a bonus, there'll be an exclusive Facebook group. So everyone in the course can learn from one another and then have their questions answered in Facebook Lives weekly with me. So it will be offered in December from the 6th through the 10th. So it'll be a short time frame that you'll be able to get enrolled in the course. But um, yeah, I'm super excited. I've been working for months on this. I mean, Brittany, you you call it a blog, but honestly, this is a really advanced educational tool from what it sounds like for folks that want to learn more about learning the markets. Yeah, definitely. I started with the blog and then this course came out of just watching the people that were interacting with my blog and social profiles. I decided they need more of an interactive approach. So the course will be something that they'll be able to 
to purchase and get started with to really understand grain marketing. So I want to talk a little bit more about your targeted audience because you're using platforms like Twitter and your your blog website. Are you trying to target more of a younger audience? Absolutely. A younger audience and then women in ag, especially on Instagram um, and other ag professionals. So when it comes to grain marketing, many women that I've spoken to wish they had a better understanding of grain marketing, but they're just unsure of where to turn and where to start. So when I would stop on farms, I had very few women take part in the marketing conversations. And that was kind of discouraging to me because I really wanted to empower women to take part in those decisions and help them understand that they're totally capable. And all too often, they just become uninterested and discouraged by the learning curve. So that's where I want Farm Girl Next Door to come in and equip them with the knowledge and confidence they need to get started. So this course is like the perfect opportunity for them with that. And ag professionals, so either in careers in different aspects of ag, or if you're just starting your career in a marketing-related field, discussions about the market occur all the time with farmers. So I think it's valuable for anyone in ag to have a baseline understanding of grain marketing so they can better relate to and converse with their customers. And Brittany, in my experience, I work pretty heavily in the ag marketing field myself. My experience with farmers is that a lot of them, men and women both, are nervous to admit that that maybe they don't know as much as they think they should know. How do you handle that, tackle that that objective of really fear? That is absolutely part of the reason I started this. I would notice the exact same thing that um, working for a grain company at the time Farmers didn't want to admit that they didn't fully understand basis, for example. So my hope with this blog is that it's an un, I'm an unbiased source. I'm bringing the basics. So that's really the wall I wanted to knock down is that fear that they have to understand everything when they come and look at my blog or interact with me on social media. The goal is to be the source that you don't have to feel like you know everything to act, ask questions and interact so why don't we talk a little bit more about that grain market course, if, if you will, since it's not going live until next month. But what is that platform going to look like? Maybe what can we expect from the program? Yeah, absolutely. I just released it to my email list today, actually. So this was good timing, but I developed it to help people start from the ground up. So even though I have a ton of content on my blog, it does help to have a structure and a step-by-step format for really starting at ground zero and understanding cash grain marketing at the basic level. So they'll get comfortable in the course with the components of a futures quote and a cash bid sheet. They'll walk step-by-step through how to track cash bids and what the importance is around doing that and then learn about the decision-making process. So how to determine when to sell grain, where to sell it, what price to target for sales, what contract types are available. And I have worksheets and quizzes. And as a bonus, there'll be an exclusive Facebook group. So everyone in the course can learn from one another and then have their questions answered in Facebook Lives weekly with me. So it will be offered in December from the 6th through the 10th. So it'll be a short time frame that you'll be able to get enrolled in the course. But um, yeah, I'm super excited. I've been working for months on this. 
I mean, Brittany, you you call it a blog, but honestly, this is a really advanced educational tool from what it sounds like for folks that want to learn more about learning the markets. Yeah, definitely. I started with the blog and then this course came out of just watching the people that were interacting with my blog and social profiles. I decided they need more of an interactive approach. So the course will be something that they'll be able to to purchase and get started with to really understand grain marketing. So I want to talk a little bit more about your targeted audience because you're using platforms like Twitter and your your blog website. Are you trying to target more of a younger audience? Absolutely. A younger audience and then women in ag, especially on Instagram um, and other ag professionals. So When it comes to grain marketing, many women that I've spoken to wish they had a better understanding of grain marketing, but they're just unsure of where to turn and where to start. So when I would stop on farms, I had very few women take part in the marketing conversations. And that was kind of discouraging to me because I really wanted to empower women to take part in those decisions and help them understand that they're totally capable. And all too often, they just become uninterested and discouraged by the learning curve. So that's where I want Farm Girl Next Door to come in and equip them with the knowledge and confidence they need to get started. So this course is like the perfect opportunity for them with that. And ag professionals, so either in careers in different aspects of ag, or if you're just starting your career in a marketing-related field, discussions about the market occur all the time with farmers. So I think it's valuable for anyone in ag to have a baseline understanding of grain marketing so they can better relate to and converse with their customers. And Brittany, in my experience, I work pretty heavily in the ag marketing field myself. My experience with farmers is that a lot of them, men and women both, are nervous to admit that that maybe they don't know as much as they think they should know. How do you handle that, tackle that, that objective of really fear? That is... Absolutely part of the reason I started this. I would notice the exact same thing that um, working for a grain company at the time, farmers didn't want to admit that they didn't fully understand basis, for example. So my hope with this blog is that it's an un, I'm an unbiased source. I'm bringing the basics. So that's really the wall I wanted to knock down is that fear that they have to understand everything when they come and look at my blog or interact with me on social media The goal is to be the source that you don't have to feel like you know everything to ask questions and interact. Well, absolutely, Brittany. And I just have one more question here before we let you go. And that is where our listeners can find you at on social media and maybe drop the, uh, the web ID for your blog. For sure. The blog website is farmgirlnextdoor.com. And then Instagram, I'm at NE, the acronym for Nebraska, Farm Girl Next Door. And Twitter is Farm Girl Next Door, but door is DR. And if anyone's interested in the course, they can also um, sign up for my email list on my website, or there's a Cash Grain Marketing 101 course right at the top where they'll be able to sign up as well. Well, again, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and good luck with launching your course. Thank you guys so much. 
well, again, a big thank you there to Brittany. Really interesting stuff she's doing. I checked out her Twitter profile after we hopped off the interview and was just watching through some of her, of her videos. They're really informative. They're short and simple and easy to digest. And I think that what she is doing for folks to better understand the market is fantastic, Ashton. Absolutely, Delaney. And I'm all for women supporting women, which is definitely something that Brittany touched on in that interview and and strives to do. But we're always talking to folks, no matter women or men in the agriculture industry. And you can check out future episodes at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.